That was for Phil. <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, I'm sad that I'm flying. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Torchbearer right there. <laughs> strong, strong sad. Strong sad. Oh. Strong sad. Strong sad. Were you just getting makey outy with that piece of, piece loose of Lewis leaf? leaf? <laughs> Dum dum, this is pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how like how often in my everyday life I'll just like randomly, just like I'm going to have to jump, <laughs> <laughs> and it just makes no sense because it's never it's never like fitting for me to say that, bro. It just like, jumps what? in my head. <laughs> Well, I'm not jumping for nothing. Over 30, like, you ain't catching me <laughs> yeah. jumping for nothing. Same. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, Tony and I actually were talking about that recently and how, like, in often I hear people quote, like, any Homestar runner or, you know, like, Teen Girl Squad, like, yeah. anything. Uh, but how often we do, so it's like... Yeah, Connor and I are big on Teen Girl Squad. Talking about Strong Bad, though, I was obsessed with that Trogdor point-and-click game for a while. <laughs> oh my god, it's I was so, so obsessed with Trogdor for so long. Oh, <laughs> I recorded it as my ringtone on my old flip phone for a while. <laughs> Good times. was a man. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, he, wasn't he was a dragon, dragon man. man. <laughs> he was just or maybe he was dragon. just a dragon. Trogdor! <laughs> <laughs> Trogdor! Burninating the countryside. <laughs> Burninating <laughs> the peasants. Burninating all the people. <laughs> and he did it because he was bad. It's the best. Oh my uh, god, so the memories. <laughs> Makes me feel so old. <laughs> what was your favorite? episode of Tales to Inspire. The one where they talk about Strong Bad for a long time. For a long time. Uh, classic. <laughs> what? They ain't got no Turbo Graphics games? Five minutes of Trogdor. <laughs> that was my favorite episode. Hey, you know what? It's all going in. It's making the cut. That's our cold open. Hi friends, my name is John Tabor and you're listening to Tales to Inspire. cheese it has been seven months since operation american defense was disbanded since then each of the heroes has pursued their own goals and missions at the red carpet premiere of crystal gazer's new movie the former teammates reunite for the first time little do they know that a deepening doom will demand their blended brawn to best as we open this issue of tells to inspire We open on a very austere room with a long wooden table and a group of generals seated all around it. On one wall, we see the German flag, not the Nazi Germany flag, but the yellow and red flag with uh, the black eagle in the middle. And we see these generals seated around the table And we see them wearing their military outfits, devoid of any swastikas or Nazi memorabilia. But we do see lighter fabric where the eagle used to be 
uh, and lighter fabric around where their black armbands used to be. Um, this is the military junta that is ruling Germany after the civil war between the German army, the Wehrmacht, and the um, uh, Nazi political party. But we see these people sitting around a table, and one of them stands up to address the others. Countrymen, we are gathered here today to discuss the end of the war. The Allies may not be willing to admit it, but they are stalled at our front lines. They have not made any significant advances in the past month, and we know they shall not progress any further. They have rejected our peace talks, our calls for diplomacy, and so now we shall take matters into our own hands. We owe it to our country and to our people to secure our ancestral homelands and to bring our fathers and our sons home to their wives and daughters. General Field Marshal Rommel, will you please outline the plan? And that general sits down and we see General Erwin Rommel stand up. Thank you, General Beck. Thanks to the oil and iron that we secured from the Caucasus whenever we conquered the Soviet Union, we now have the ability to make machines and supply them with the fuel that we could not have before. And thanks to the late Fjord's extravagances and his secret project in the Alps, we now have the means to take this war to the American front lines. The Americans are weak. This war has been fought not on their soil. They have not been tasting blood. But they shall. Follow me, gentlemen. These generals leave the room and they walk into a huge hangar. And we see it is alight with activity, people walking back and forth, making modifications, and General Erwin Rommel leads the Junta over to this enormous plane. It has, uh, it is V-shaped, aerodynamic, painted black. The artist has drawn it from the top down, so we can see formally where the swastika was. It has been painted over, and the uh, German eagle has been painted over it. We have access to these theoretical designs. We have made the America bombers. We shall send bombs to Great Britain, to America, and they shall drop out of the war. He lifts a canister full of glowing energy that we have seen many times before. This is the fuel that will spark the end of the war. Erwin Rommel turns around and he slides this into a warhead. And as he locks it in place, we see the grooves of this warhead start to glow and shimmer. As we send these pilots on their way, we must pray to God to bring an end to this war. Hail Germany. And all the generals clap their hands over their hearts and say, Hail, Germany! We turn the page from that scene to a much brighter scene outdoors in a, a wheat field. We see these women that are dressed in colors of brown and orange um, standing out in this field. And we see part of it has been cleared. And we see... Uh, we see the mother of the Autumn Coven standing at attention, her back to the wheat field, her face facing this cleared out area. And we see this array of young elementary age girls all wearing the uh, colors of the Autumn Coven. Uh, and she says, Sisters, today you will show us all what you have been learning and working on the past four months. 
Show us how you have mastered the themes of harvest, of change, of wind, and of moonlight. Sister Wheat, you are first. And we go to this girl, short, wearing these brown-yellow colors, uh, with long, blonde hair. And she takes a deep breath. And she reaches into a pouch, and she pulls out this clay, and she smears it on her face. And as she drags it across her face, where the mud would be, we see fur start to appear. And as her hands reach her chin, she reaches away, and the fur begins to extend past her chin, down her neck, down her arms to her hands, and we see her transform into this large, brown-red fox. The mother nods, and she turns to the next pupil. This sister takes time and meditates. And then, with an artful spin, she launches herself up into the air. And she hovers for a few moments before slowly lowering herself back down to the ground. The mother nods again. And we keep going, and we keep seeing these sisters perform these acts, showing off their autumn magic to the mother. And we come to the person who is last in this row. Uh, Sister Solstice... How have you changed in the past couple of months since we've seen you? Okay. My hair is darker and more of a pixie cut now. Okay. Um, and I have bulked up's not really the right word, but like you can tell that she's been like training in a way. So, like, she's a little more toned, I guess. And, like, she's beginning to look more like a a woman. Like, because she's so young. Yeah, she's now Sister Swolstice. (laughs) Swolstice. Yes! That's my new Uh, You've been waiting for that one, haven't you? I was. As soon as she said that she was toned up, I was like, yeah, she's Swole. She's Swolstice. She's a Sister Swolstice. (laughs) That's excellent. Buff tenure. Okay. But the the mother looks at you. What feat of autumnal magic do you show off? Um, I think maybe like I turn into like an eagle. So like I do kind of a similar thing that the chick with the fox did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I turn into an eagle and I fly up and like do a lap around the group or whatever. Okay. And then I land. Okay. But, like, it's clearly superior to everyone else in the group. Like, yeah, this girl yeah. turned into a fox, and this girl, like, kind of rode the wind, but, like, I turn into an eagle and, like, take yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will remind you that these kids are all, like, eight, nine, seven. How old was well, Sister Solstice I mean, being in 1945? They're weak sauce. That's not my fault. <laughs> okay, okay. Their age has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Sister, so Sister you- Solstice just lands, and she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> she's like... Bird noises. Bird noises. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you do this lap. Uh, the mother nods appreciatively. Uh, and she continues to go on. Uh, we women must provide for ourselves. There's no one who is going to take care of us for us in the way that we need. It is up to us to... But her voice starts to get distant. Further away. Sister Solstice, you begin to feel this sensation that you have become quite familiar with in the past few months, ever since you're running with Mother Canna, ever since your vision quest. You're hit by another vision suddenly. And you see a lot of the familiar images. You see this cloud that starts at the ground and rises up to blot out the sky. You see this darkness falling over the countryside, everything withering with what it touches. You see your friends, Torchbearer, Geiger Gwyn, Dr. Fusion, Crystal Gazer, and there's somebody else there, but he is blocked out by the shadow. But as the shadow reaches him, you see them fall and wither and die. And then you see yourself surrounded by the darkness. The tendril starting to reach for you. And the vision ends. 
the other sisters have walked off, but Mother Canna is standing in front of you just a few feet away, or maybe just a foot away, looking down at you. Sister Solstice, are you well? Yes. You do not have to lie here, sister. This is a safe space. I'll be fine. You're having more visions, aren't you? What's it to you? What's it to me, my dear child? There are many things that it is to me. Namely, you are destined to be the Tetrarch. Your safety is paramount, tantamount, to the safety of all the covens. Autumn, spring, summer, and winter. Secondly, you are a sister of our covenhood. We are a family. Come, walk with me. And she begins to walk off. I take a beat and then I follow. As she's walking, she's gesturing out at the wheat fields all around you. Do you remember what this field looked like when you arrived here, Sister Solstice? Yes. She stops and turns and looks over her shoulder, as only a mother could. Could you elaborate? It was barren. Yes. Not barren. But what was to be there in the future was not there yet. Or, maybe I should say, was not visible yet. It was hidden beneath the surface. Yeah, the seeds had been planted, but they hadn't grown. Exactly. What does that have to do with anything? My dear sister Solstice, when you came to us, you were a seed. Your potential was hidden beneath the dirt. Now you have grown. Change is part of life. You mustn't be afraid of it. Especially if you are to embody the spirit of the Autumn Coven. These visions that you are having... They are different. They are scary. But we should not run from change. So, sister, please, tell me, what were your visions of? My team. You speak of the multicolored uh, superheroes that you had previous engagements with. Yes. What of them? Something's not right. Showed them withering away. Hmm. Like crops that were left behind after harvest. What was causing this withering? A dark cloud. Uh, And as she's walking, she stops. And turns. A dark cloud, you say? Yes. Like the one my dot, like the one Sister Kenna had. Yes. Tell me, Sister, what do you know of the echoes of creation? I've heard of them. Not experienced them. Well, as you know, the Coven of Seasonal Witches, all four of us, are attuned to the embodiment of nature. And nature is an echo of creation. Whenever the world, the galaxy, the universe was formed, there were these primal forces. Nature was one of them. Light was another. And darkness was another. And just as we can draw our strength from the echo of nature... There are those that pull their strength from darkness. Sister Kanna sought to draw her strength from darkness, and darkness consumes. Darkness takes over. Darkness diminishes. Sister Kanna was not the first time that our coven had encountered darkness. It came for us many years ago and threatened to wipe us out if not for 
the intervention of one who bore the light. They were called Torchbearer. They worked with the Tetrarch of that time. And through some ritual, they were able to banish the darkness, to seal it away. But, unfortunately, like any prison, whenever you have people prodding at it and poking at it and digging at it, it eventually gives way, and it shames me to say that my daughter was one of those that chipped away at the prison that darkness was formerly in. You are destined to be the Tetrarch, Doris. And I believe you are having these visions because you are meant to do something about the darkness. And I believe your friends will be very important to you. Can you tell me any more about this ritual? I can provide you with the annals of our coven, our sisterhood, and you may look through it. But I'm afraid that's all I could give you. Ideally, you would stay here for many more years to train with us, but it seems you have more pressing matters. Go with the wind, Doris. And may you never be afraid of change. She kind of, like, nods her head, and then she walks back to um, the the main house where her room is and she packs up the few items that she had with her um and then she steps out onto the porch um and then um she takes flight and heads to i'm guessing she had some way of like having an idea of where they were at um, or maybe you're a witch. So, you have so much magic that you could do. So here's what I'm thinking. Go with me here. Similar okay. to L in Stranger Things, like as I'm sitting, like as I'm there on the porch, I'm like going into my like Zen zone, and I'm like locating Torchbearer. Okay. Um. Okay, so this is not a power listed on your power profile, so let's roll a push. Um, so trying to find someone, uh, like using magic, trying to scry on somebody, basically, do you think that is a simple power, a difficult power, or a borderline power? I think that at this point, it's a difficult power, but I think... As I use it and bond with the team more now that I have the power, it will become easier. Okay. To and I mean, it, it requires like concentration, requires right. you to stop. Right. So yeah, sure. A difficult power. So go ahead and roll 2d6 plus nothing. Yeah. I got a seven. A seven. Okay. So on a seven, I have to check the rules because we haven't recorded in a long time. Yeah. Uh, on a 7 through 9, you do it, but the effort will exhaust you. Uh, go ahead and take 2 stress, because this was difficult. Uh, and you don't get to add this to your power profile. How does it look as you kind of tap into this energy, this magic, to find Torchbearer? Um, as I am standing on the porch of the home, um, I have my eyes closed and my hands kind of pushed together in front of me mm -hmm. and I'm just like channeling all my concentration and um, bringing into mind like the last moments I had with Torchbearer just to like try to like get that connection back mm, okay sure yeah uh, and I think we see like a couple of black panels and then like a slow, soft focus opens up, and we see Torchbearer's face. And it's kind of like sepia tone, black and white, and then it continues to fill out, fill out, fill out. The next panel is full color, and we are now with Torchbearer and Geiger Gwyn. Where do we find the two of you? 
I had a really I inappropriate s- idea, but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello friends and welcome to Season 1, Episode 25 of Tales to Inspire. I'm your host, Sleepy David White. And welcome to Episode 25, everybody. Yes, this is Episode 25. That means that there are only four more episodes until the end of Season 1. Rolling Out the Dread Carpet is the finale arc of Season 1, and I'm so excited for you to listen to it, to hear the culmination of all these great storylines and uh, beats and character ideas come clashing together to make a really good finale. Um, And you know, if you were a patron, you could already be listening to the rest of this arc and our special Geek Out after season one, which will only be available to our patrons. That is a out-of-character discussion about the show, about the characters, about the story beats, um, and also some some teases for what's coming in season two. So if you want to listen to the rest of Rolling Out the Dread Carpet, and if you want to listen to the Geek Out after season one, please go subscribe to our patrons. Our $5 patrons and up can listen to that episode. And speaking of our Patreon, we are still trying to get back to $400 a month so we can sustainably pay our performers $5 for every hour that we spend recording. Right now, we are at $262 a month with 24 patrons providing that for us every month. Like I said, we are desperate to get back to $400 a month. We would love your support. If you love this show, if you like the people that make this show, please consider supporting our show so that we can pay these wonderful people for the wonderful things they do with their mouths. That is a questionable way to phrase it, but I'm sticking with it. And we're going to leave it in. And I mentioned that there was going to be some sort of announcement later this month. We are still working on getting that announcement. I'm, I'm very particular. Like, I want to announce it in a certain funny way. Um, and, like, I could just go and be like, hey, this is the thing we're doing. But, you know, I want to I add some pizzazz to it. So I'm getting that all ready before we make an official announcement about... um. Something that's going to be happening on our Patreon, but I will go ahead and announce that Tessa, Carrie, myself, and Tessa's fiancé, Gion, have recorded a new podcast that is going to be releasing through the Patreon. Uh, I truly do not know what it's going to be called, but the premise of the show is that we sit down and we watch a movie and you watch it with us. Um, The first movie that we watched is Twilight. I have avoided watching Twilight for my entire life since it came out. And Tessa and Carrie, and Giantu, finally convinced me to watch it. And all I can say is, it's so bad, y'all. It's, it's just a, it's a bad movie. It's very bad. But we had a lot of fun watching it. And making fun. That episode will be released on August 1st. So if you're interested in listening to us listen and watch Twilight and you want to watch it along with us, well, go to our Patreon. Everybody who is above the $5 mark will be able to listen to that audio. And uh, it's is, is just a train wreck. That's all I can say, but it's a very fun train wreck. Um, we appreciate y'all so much. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'm going to let you get back to this episode. bad guys and we're back at like a hideout and torchbearer is sitting like uh with uh gwen kind of like sitting up on the counter and he's like sitting on a stool and like 
dabbing peroxide on her knee or something like that. Like she has like a nasty, nasty cut on her leg, and he's like trying to patch her up and clean her up. And okay. you, you just hear Gwen like whispering to him, like, "I, I swear, this was more than okay. You don't have to. F- oh, okay. You know, it stings. The hydro, everything stings right now. Don't." Okay, you're cute when you're taking care of me. Damn it! That's that's what you get when you bring a kick to a knife fight, Quinn. <laughs> you know my legs have reach. I can do it. Okay, you know what? Next time you just be cute and do what you do, and I will back up. Okay? Well, all right. One of us is knife-proof, I'm just saying. (laughs) She gives him a kiss. Is that better? Yeah. (laughs) She's the poutiest brat you've ever seen. (laughs) This is whiplash after not having seen you guys in so long. (laughs) I know! Yeah. So yeah, I I imagine a, a very chill scene like that. Okay, so we're kind of, like, taking it, like, as date nights, then? We're trying to find them, but also along the way, we're just picking off bad guys, you know? Yeah. Sure. It's kind of been, like, Gwen and Torchbearer making, like, a a weird tour on our way from, like, Seattle down, or Oregon down to, like, California, uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. And just, like, making this weird, like, beeline, just like, oh, there's trouble here, we have to stop it. Like, Mm -hmm. we can't just, like, not help people. It's that Indiana Jones, like, (laughs) map line where you see us just hitting. (laughs) 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 Yep. Yeah, yeah. And they just stop for two days, and they keep going. There's random random panels, yep, where we're just, like, taking time off to, like, have a date or something, and she's explaining something really mundane to him, where he's like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, here's the church. Here's the steeple. You know? Oh man! Here's, Blow up here's Oregon State ca- University. Make out about it. <laughs> fight, fight some robbers. Make out about it. I'm not mad about it. I'm not. Here's why East Coast baseball teams are just playing better at baseball than West Coast teams. And mm. I won't argue <laughs> with you, Torch. I swear. I promise. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so I think that y'all making this circuitous uh, route of justice down the uh, the West Coast, uh, I think you have arrived at Los Angeles. I mean, out of out of player, like we were gonna like meet at the uh, like the premiere. So, like, how would y'all get there? I think I think Crystal Gazer would have wanted to give them tickets to come and see the premiere and be there, since you know. They're in it. Yeah. Not them, but actors portraying them. So I think she would have wanted to send them tickets, but I don't know if she could have found them to give them the tickets. Yeah. Maybe you just left them with the... the t- will, will yeah, you left them at Will Call. And will Call, that's what... Me and Torch just... You know, we figured out it was happening, and we stopped, and whoever was running Will Call that day was like, Oh my god, you're Geiger Gwen! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, you're Torchbearer! I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like have tickets the, for you. I think the first <laughs> time we see each other again is like in the seats. Yep. <laughs> as we all meet together. We're not gonna have a red carpet moment? We gotta have a red carpet moment. All I know is I wanna put Torch in, you know, the best tux ever. And Gwen is in the most risque black... <laughs> dipping gown and she makes him carry her bridal style through the air to land on the red carpet. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Okay, so here here's how it goes. So I think You see what I have to deal with. I'm not asking for a lot. <laughs> <laughs> y'all y'all have uh the scene you're doctoring their knee uh and then uh I think y'all have the tickets like on the countertop next to Gwen. And then y'all have a a dressing montage. That sounds about right. Okay. Then, uh, I want to think of another cool transition. 
So I think on the tickets, we have the name of the theater and we have the name of the flick that's happening. And then in the next panel, it is of the marquee outside of the cinema with that exact same lettering and everything on it. Now you're playing with comics. Dig it. Yeah, <laughs> now dig it, we're... dig it, dig it, dig it. <laughs> now this is writing comics. <laughs> um, and I think there, then in the next panel, we see a huge crowd of people, reporters, socialized. We see the red carpet rolled out. We see pictures being taken. We see nice black Rolls Royces rolling up and people getting out. And I think across the way, we see Dr. Fusion. Dr. Fusion, what are you doing across the street from the uh, premiere? Oh, wait, I'm across the street? Like, not with Crystal? I mean, you could... I, I was... Uh, you. Where are you? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm... Okay, I have a funny scene that I'm thinking of. So, the panel okay. is Margaret in, like, full, like, her Margaret being Margaret. And she's, like, talking to, a, like, an interviewer. And you just see drawn in half detail, like they do in comics. In the background, you see Dr. Fusion, who is in a real tux. And it's not like his normal scratchy wool suit. It's like a real fancy tux. And his hair is like all... His, his hair is like slicked down which it's not a good look because his hair is curly (laughs) um and yeah he's just he looks very uncomfortable and he's just standing in the background just like holding margaret's purse (laughs) in the background yeah i think in the foreground of that shot you see margaret um and she her hair is perfectly curled not a single hair out of place her makeup is perfectly done with some really, really um, um, deep red lipstick on. Her dress is a, a deep, that matches her lipstick, it's a deep rouge. Um, and it's fitted just perfectly at the waist. Um, she looks elegant. She looks flawless. She's wearing heels, so she's a few inches taller. And she's <laughs> yucking it up for the interviewers just talking to him and 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 doing all that um and she just like has forgotten about doc i'm gonna be honest has forgotten that he's <laughs> who even... are you wearing <laughs> oh i don't know who was a designer I, oh, at that, yeah, time. that was a joke <laughs> we don't have to delve that deep <laughs> <laughs> okay so we see that we see that panel margaret talking beautiful just capturing the scene, capturing this moment, and we see Dr. Fusion just kind of forlorn in the back, uh, holding the purse. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, let's let's say the, uh, the actor portraying Torchbearer in this movie kind of walks past you with his dame on his arm, and he bumps into you. Ah, sorry, old chap. And, like, as he bumps into you, you drop her purse, but you also drop this piece of paper that has been clenched in your fist uh, and you've tried to put it out of your mind but as you reach down to grab the purse and grab that piece of paper we flash back a month we are at the ruins of the science building of Oregon State University and I think Dr. Fusion you're probably still covered in soot uh, your lab coat a little singed um, after the explosion, you looked for the entity that was in the Faraday cage, but they were not to be found. Um, and I think you're just having a moment looking down at the crater where your office, where the offices of your colleagues used to be. And as you're standing there looking, we see a man walk into frame. And we see a little yellow box next to his name that says, Dean Francois uh, Gilfillan, the Dean of the Sciences of Oregon State University. And he goes and stands next to the crater with you. Leslie, I... There's no easy way to put this. The board is asking for your resignation. 
listeners, Occam just flipped me off. <laughs> it was actually at three members of this cast. Oh. Because <laughs> my, ex- both explosions, not my fault. Okay. Um, <clears throat> no, this is wonderful. Thank you. Um, my resignation. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry, old friend. Uh, but two explosions within five years of each other in your lab connected to your research it's just I'm sorry old chap but and he holds out a piece of paper to you I'm afraid we're asking you to sign this and return it to us your official resignation it's it's already typed up all you need to do is sign it he takes the paper doesn't even really look at it and he looks directly into what was the guy's name again dean uh dean gilfalon okay what's his first name francois francois okay francois this will not fine give me give me some time of course i i, I need to process this was my life's work. Twice. Twice. Yes, I understand, old chap. He claps you on the shoulder. Happy trails. And he walks away, and then we return from that scene to you picking up that piece of paper off the ground. And Occam, I have to ask you, have you signed it? Or is the line blank? He has signed it. And there are okay. a lot of, like... Like, marks right at the beginning of it. Like, he'd started to repeatedly and just left mm. a mark. And But his name is... His signature is on it. Okay. You reach down and you pick that up. And as you straighten up, you... We see, like, some word boxes. Says, oh, my gosh. Is it? Can it be? Who is... Uh, and then we see Torchbearer flying down out of the air, wearing a tux, holding... As has been stated, bridal style, <laughs> Geiger, Gwen, in both arms. Um, and the two of you alight at the, uh, the end of the red carpet. And I think you see Dr. Fusion right there in front of you, holding a purse. <laughs> I, I, have to, I envision this scene like us so close to being there. But that imp- that apprehension is still there. It's just like, are we ready to actually like talk to these people again? <laughs> and Torchbearer is really feeling it. He's just like, I don't know, Gwen. It's like they didn't even put the address on this place. How do they, how do they expect us to find it? And he's just flying flying around ca- carrying her. <laughs> just like how how it's like, and then she just like gently nudges his head to the right, and you can see the. The huge, like, magne- <laughs> majestic-looking theater with all these spotlights and stuff. Yeah, spotlights. Like, it couldn't be more obvious. You're just like, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Just rip the Band-Aid off, babe. We gotta do this. You're right. Uh, careful, I'm, uh, I'm heading down. Just, this is where we just lower down <laughs> towards the red carpet. So we touch down, and I immediately zero in on Doc, and I'm just like, oh, uh, you look great. Quite an entrance. I had trouble calling a cab. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I think as they've landed and walked over to Doc, I think that Crystal Gazer didn't see them because she's so engaged in this conversation. But then she notices the reporter's attention being drawn from her. Yes. And she's like, um, at first a little bit frustrated because she was in the middle of a sentence. Um, but then hears Geiger Gwen's voice and turns and looks excited right at first. She's like, oh, it's Gwen. Great. And then she sees Torch and immediately like this... Just this, 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 this look on her face, like excitement, like my gal's here. She sees Torch, and it immediately drops. <laughs> like she gave him the ticket. She intended. Mm-hmm. She did it because of goodwill, right? But she really didn't expect him to come. Yeah. 
<laughs> Gwen is just oblivious, and you see a panel of her turn towards Crystal Gazer, and she's just like, Oh, honey, hey! You look beautiful! Thanks, honey. Torchbearer just kind of, like, turns his body half, like, behind her, just, like, <laughs> looking <laughs> off. <at> the <laughs> <side>. <laughs> she, uh, gives that, gives that little, like, southern woman smirk as she walks over. I sure am glad you're here, honey. And she looks at Torch and says, both of you. <laughs> and then goes over to Doc and slides her arm through his, um, and takes her purse well, this is a new development. Some of the reporters start clamoring out. Hey, let's get a picture of the heroes. A picture of the heroes. Hey, Pencil Neck. And they're talking to Dr. Fusion. Pencil Neck, get out of the way. Let's get a picture of these heroes. He looks so awkwardly. <laughs> like, his t- this tux is the most immaculate thing he's ever worn. And it's just so out of character. <laughs> she, um looks at Doc and then looks back at the picture and then looks at him again and, and like asking like do you want to be in this photo without <laughs> he, saying it he loosens like he pulls his arm out off away from you and just steps to the side Gwen doesn't allow it so- <gasps> <gasps> oh. no. Gwen jumps in and shoves him right back up next to Crystal Gazer no, oh honey you're fine look at you smile big small, smile I said freaking smile the most awkward we take there's a snap and then in the next panel we see like the picture that was taken and it's just like this very uncomfortable photo we're like "Uh, go ahead describe for us what do we see in this picture like how how are you drawn in this picture crystal gazer looks perfect okay she knows how to hit but of course (laughs) of course um (laughs) i think it's it okay it was taken like as Gwyn is shoving uh, Doc into the frame, is Gwyn in the picture, or is this just of, like, Crystal Gazer in them? I was thinking like, it was like, of all of y'all. Oh, yeah, no, okay, Gwyn okay. went for it as in, like, all four of us were going to be in the picture. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. Then, yeah, so you just see, like, Gwyn's hand tight on his arm, like, on his <laughs> bicep. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just, like tightened up and his he's got this super awkward smile and is is, he's like he's turtling a little bit um (laughs) she's just smiling real big hitting her hips you know like yeah (laughs) got it (laughs) and then then we have one photographer that says and now now the two stars of the show the two stars of the show torchbearer crystal gazer look right here oh Uh, hell no (laughs) and i think as the two of you are like being pressed together to have a picture uh the panel is drawn of y'all right in front of the movie poster and the movie poster is crystal gazer clasped up against torchbearer's bare chest (laughs) with uh the skyline of germany like burning behind them uh Uh, we have the two of you it's a romance novel cover yeah on a movie <laughs> it's the casablanca poster yes it is <laughs> she she's like okay she's like she um okay so they get pushed together and she didn't want to do it but then she looks up at torch right right in the eyes and puts her hand on his chest and her other like like her other hand on her hip and one hand on his chest and it's like played up for the cameras there torch you sure Seems kind of dishonest. We can go back to hating each other tomorrow. Torchbearer just kind of face falls, but then he just kind of draws himself back up and poses for the shot. Okay. There's a panel of Doc Fusion and Gwen, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Doc awkwardly shuffles his way toward, like, closer to the door trying to get inside. Just looking like... uh. Gwen just grabs him again and pulls him back to her, and she's just like... Don't worry. I trust them both. And then you just see a panel of her flashing her little pistol on her thigh. (laughs) Please just let me leave. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. And then I think y'all are finally, like, ushered into the building, and we have y'all, like, being walking through the lobby, going to your seats. Is there any sort of conversation before y'all get to your seats? 
I imagine us wanting to tell them the the news about us blowing up something before it got quiet, so we wouldn't have to talk about it. God, this is such a bad idea, though. <laughs> so it would be the idea that we went with. Is that what you think? Of course, of course. So, like, as the movie is like, as the credit or the the lights are going down, you're just like, oh, by the way, we blew up Oregon City. <laughs> Quite literally, that's how I envisioned it. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 y'all, y'all walk into your seats. Yeah. It's Torchbearer wants to say something, and it's just like every time it comes out, it's just like it's just like, um, wow, this, this place is great. It's lights. I've never seen anything like it. Then he's just like, I should, I should really say something. <laughs> like I should, we should talk about this. And it's like, thanks, thanks for the tickets. Uh, can, can we get like the shot of like him like doing this and and Crystal Gazer standing beside him and then it's got Gwen on his other side and Doc on her other side as they're walking down this hallway and going to this you know into the room into the like main show main viewing space and she is just like mouth is in a line and he's like <laughs> jab yeah just all nervous energy just can't stop and Doc is like as small as he's ever looked. <laughs> So, uh, so as he's like mumbling what happened under his breath, as they reach their seats, Gwen's like, "Oh, also, we're a couple now. Okay, let's watch the movie." Wait, what? What? What'd you say? We blew up the university, and we're a couple. <laughs> Yay! Okay. You? It was you? Yeah, it's it's not really a big deal. We're just kind of. It wasn't intentional. Yeah, She's like can't. motioning to like stop, like Doc stop leaves. talking. <laughs> Doc gets up and walks out. Oh, you ruined his life. You know that, right? Oh, I was just, I was talking about us being together. It was, I was just saying it was <laughs> wait, wait, d- no big deal. And I thought that's, that's what we were talking about, right? Like as the light, so as the lights are going down, she looks at both of them. Leans like this, and I imagine, like, accidentally touches Omission, right? I was just about to say, Mitchell, you can introduce Omission whenever you want to in this scene. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> oh, yeah, Omission uh, is... Uh, didn't they have, like, the little, like, red outfits and everything for theater? Oh, no. Is he an usher? <laughs> Are you yeah, so oh, yeah. he's an usher smoking a cigarette, um, carrying uh, scars, um... And a pocket knife on him uh, as you bump into him, and he looks at you and shakes his head. God, Jesus, omission! Did you hear that? Hey, these clowns are the ones that blew up the university. Is that what we're really worried about? Because that seems like a very small thing. Maybe to you. She turns and looks at the other ones. They asked him to resign. That's good. She looks back at she's like she like looks at omission, glares at omission, then looks back at Torch and Gwen. It wasn't our fault. I swear to you. It wasn't it wasn't our intention. We were Tuskowitz was there and Tuskman, they were They were doing something awful. And we just couldn't sit back and let them accomplish whatever they were trying to do. And I get it. I owe him an apology because I know I blamed him before for what happened to me. If anything, that was Tiny's fault, not his. I get it. Shit. You do realize his research would have been used to kill so many people. His carelessness would have killed so many people. And only through very sad and needed intervention was the kill count greatly reduced. So, no, I am not upset or do I care about their loss of position at a university. Sometimes when you think up of something, you should keep it to yourself. 
Also, would you guys like any popcorn? <laughs> <laughs> movie thing's about to start in about 10 minutes, so. Crystal Gazer looks like if she could get up and leave right now, she would have followed Doc out. But she knows she has to stay here. So she looks she looks at them both again, looks looks at omission after he after he gets finished talking, then looks at the other two and says I don't I don't know what the right answer is. I I trust that y'all did the right thing because Lord help you, that's what y'all do. But Doc ain't the same. That's all I know. I should... I should apologize. Duskoids and Tuskmen trying to destroy that machine. I never could've... just... couldn't see the, the forest for the trees and trying to save one life. Do something right and inadvertently do something wrong and so bad. Gwen grabs Crystal Gazer's hand and she goes you know I would never intentionally hurt any of you. Even if he drives me up the wall I would not I mean I can be petty but that's not that's a little far for even me. You know that right? Yeah. I don't know. We're just a bunch of regular folk who gotta make these choices. Regular folk powers. For some reason, we still gotta make these choices. What's done is done. And then I think, like, this is when, unless anybody has anything else they want to add, I think this is when the credits start rolling. Yeah. I think the, uh, the credits start rolling. We had this huge orchestral fanfare, uh, and... You know, the, the narrator starts. War in Europe. Nazism marches across. And then the film distorts. And it's replaced. Omission, could you narrate what has the film been replaced with? Yeah, the film has been replaced with uh, video footage of the internment camps here in the U.S. Um, showing the horrible acts of Americans that were done uh, on a daily basis while we worship heroes. Uh, our sins grow deep. And I think at the end it just says uh, with a videotape of a single paper, there are no heroes. And then returns to the movie. Who did that? I mean, she would know it was Omission if she could remember who Omission was, but I imagine yeah. she's not looking at him. Omission will get you some popcorn now. As she yeah. takes the popcorn, she looks up at the hand that gives it, she's like, it was you, wasn't it? Would you like a Coca-Cola? <laughs> small, medium. Those are two sizes. Give me a cigarette. <laughs> All right. And he'll hand you one of his cigarettes, which he uh, he rolls himself. And so they're all like, they're very dirty, uh, white little <laughs> pieces of paper, probably with like newspaper wrapped around it. Uh, and it's definitely like more of a probably a, a major drug. Um, I don't know. Can we can we say marijuana? I, I don't know what that what the kosher is with I that. I don't know. I don't know what kind of effect that's going to have on Crystal Gazer, honestly. <laughs> oh, <For> God. Sure. <laughs> you just got her high. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking the, the ST if that would be appropriate or not, or, or just cigarettes. Uh, I, 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 I think a marijuana cigarette is fine, but Marlo, how do you feel about your character being unwillingly, or not unwillingly, unknowingly slipped a marijuana? A jazz cigarette. The devil's Can grass. So... I think she smells it when she brings it to her mouth to put it in her mouth to light it. Yeah. She smells it. 
Yeah, because they definitely don't smell like cigs. (laughs) (laughs) She smells it and pulls it back out of her mouth. And it's got lipstick on it now. And she says, Never mind. And hands it back to him with lipstick still on it. Alright. It's there if you want to forget. And he'll put it in his mouth and take a puff before, like, going back to the concession stand to probably sweep up a popcorn spill. She has put her hand, her her elbows on the, the table. Is it a table or just chairs? Uh, just chairs. Just chairs. She's put her hands, I mean, her, her elbows on the, the seat rest and has slunk down and has covered her face. Because I imagine everybody's like, what the heck was that? Yes, everyone is talking. Like, the, the movie is now rolling, and everyone is still talking about the internment camps and what was Adam, was that part of the movie, what was going on, all of that. Um, and then, I think, as Omission is walking off with the lit marriage, <laughs> marijuana joint in his mouth, sweeping up sorry. popcorn. Marijuana, <laughs> sweeping up some popcorn. Uh, we turn the page to Dr. Fusion. Uh, Dr. Fusion, where are you right now? He's outside. Uh, he's kind of walked over to a smoking section, and, and like, and there's a I, I I would think there's like a like a a late teen with uh, with cigarettes, and he just kind of asked, like you see him gesture, and the kid hands him a cigarette, and he just starts he he sits down on the ground and just smokes and sits with his head in his hands. Okay. So as you are sitting down smoking, uh, I think we have a panel of a pair of legs walking up next to you and stopping. And we see a word bubble coming from the top of the panel. Never took you for a smoker, Doc. I, I normally am not. And he looks up. And you see Henry Hives Richter standing next to you. Strange to see you here today. Yes, well, um, I'm afraid I'm on business from President Truman. Uh, you're needed at the White House. And down in the bottom right-hand corner, we see the words, To be continued. End of episode. <gasps> Boy! Woo! We did it! Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. We'll be back with our next episode on August 7th. If you have social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Like and follow us at Misconceptions Pod for up-to-date information about the show, behind-the-scenes pictures, and just to show us your general positive feelings about the show. We also have a Discord. You can click the link below to join our Discord so that you can chat with other friends of the show and chat with other cast members directly. We also have an email... If you'd like to contact us that way, you can email us at misconceptionspod at gmail.com. This show is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to join that elite group of supporters and gain access to exclusive content, please consider joining our Patreon. The Tells to Inspire theme song was composed by Esteban Del Pino. You can find out more about his music on fiverr.com slash iam underscore w-a-k-e Omission was played by Mitchell Wallace who can be found at Mitch Bustillos on Twitter. Crystal Gazer was played by Marlo Bogus, who can be found at Marlo Bogwich on Twitter. Torchbearer was played by Phil Montgomery who can be found at BMC Philanthropy on Twitter. Geiger Gwyn was played by Christy Scheidemantle, who can be found at Polish Christy on Twitter. Dr. Fusion was played by Occam Razor, who can be found at Occam Sockam Robo on Twitter. Sister Solstice was played by Carrie White, who hates Twitter and refuses to get one. And I'm David White, your editor-in-chief. You can find me at Mr. Banana Socks on Twitter. The role-playing game system used in this production was a modified version of the Worlds in Peril role-playing game by Sam Joko Publishing, 
featuring elements from the Avatar Legends role-playing game and Masks A New Generation role-playing game, both by Magpie Games. Tales to Inspire is a product of the Misconceptions Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and buy cool merch at misconceptionspod.com. And that's it for this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. Thank you so much for listening, and keep it nerdy, y'all. Mm-hmm.